Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A series of unfortunate events. You could get a bunk bed. <laughs> you could get a bunk bed, yeah. Okay. The what is that word? Austere Academy? Austin. Austere Academy, I think. It's well, it's book five. Right? Yeah. Chapter one. If you were going to give a gold medal to the least delightful person on earth, you would have to give that medal to a person named Carmelita, Carmelita Spatz. And if you didn't give it to her, Carmelita Spatz was the sort of person who would snatch it from your hands anyways. Carmelita Spatz was rude, she was violent, and she was filthy. And it was really a shame that I must describe her to you because there are enough ghastly, distressing things in this story without even mentioning such a pleasant person. It is the Baudelaire orphans, thank goodness, who are the heroes of this story. Not the dreadful Carmelita Spatz. And if you wanted to give her a gold medal, if you wanted to give a gold medal to Violet Klaus and Sonny Baudelaire, it would be for survival in the face of adversity. Adversity is a word here which means trouble. And there are very few people in this world who have the sort of troubling adversity that follows these three children wherever they go. Their trouble began one day that they were relaxing at the beach and received a dr- distressing news that their parents had been killed in a terrible fire. And so they were sent to live with a distant relative named Count Olaf. If you were going to give a gold medal to Count Olaf, you would have to lock it up someplace before awarding before the award ceremony because Count Olaf was such a greedy and evil man that he would try to steal it beforehand. The Baudelaire orphans did not have a gold medal, but they did not have an enormous fortune that their parents had left. But but they did have an enormous fortune that their parents had left for them, and that fortune that was the fortune that Count Olaf tried to snatch. The three siblings survived living with Count Olaf, but just barely since Olaf had followed them everywhere, usually accompanied by one or more of his sinister and ugly associates. No matter who was caring for the Baudelaire's, Count Olaf was always right behind them, performing such disasterly deeds that I can scarcely list them all. Kidnapping, murder, nasty phone calls, disguises, poison, hypnosis, and atrocious cooking are just some of the adversities that the Baudelaire orphans had survived at his hands. Even worse, Count Olaf had a bad habit of avoiding capture, so he was always sure to turn up again. It is truly awful that this keeps happening, but... This is how the story goes. I only tell you that the story goes this way because you're able to, er, because you're about to become acquainted with a rude, violent, and filthy Carmelita Spatz. And if you can't stand reading without her, you best put this book down and read something else because it only gets worse from here. Before too long, Violet Klaus and Sunny Baudelaire will have so much adversity that shoved uh, so much adversity shoved aside by Carmelita Spatz, it will look like a trip to the ice cream store. Get out of the way, you cake sniffers, said a rude, violent, and filthy little girl, shoving the Baudelaire orphans aside as she dashed by. 
Violet, Klaus, and Sonny were too startled to answer. They were standing on a sidewalk made of bricks, which must have been very odd because there was a great deal of dark moss oozing from between them. Oh, that actually sounds pretty, huh? Oh, I love that. Surrounding the sidewalk was a vast brown lawn that looked like it had never been watered. And on the lawn were hundreds of children running in various directions. Occasionally, somebody would slip and fall to the ground, only to get back up and keep running. It looked exhausting and pointless, two things that should be avoided at all costs. But the Baudelaire orphans barely glanced at the other children, keeping their eyes on the mossy bricks below them. Shyness is a curious thing because, like quicksand, it can strike people at any time. And also, like quicksand, it makes its victims look down. This was to the Bo- this was the Baudelaire's. Oh, this was to be the Baudelaire's first day at Proofrock Preparatory School. And all three siblings found that they would they would rather look at the oozing moss than at anything else. Have you dropped something, Mister Poe asked, coughing into a white handkerchief. One of the Baudelaire's certainly didn't want to look at Mr. Poe, who was walking closely behind them. Mr. Poe was a banker who had been placed in charge of the Baudelaire's affairs following the terrible fire, and this had turned to be a lousy idea. Mr. Poe meant well, but a jar of mustard probably means well and could do a better job of keeping the Baudelaire's out of danger. Violet, Klaus, and Sonny had no longer... had long ago learned that the only thing they could count on for Mr. Poe was that he was always coughing. No, Violet replied. We haven't dropped anything. Violet was the oldest Baudelaire, and usually she was not shy at all. Violet looked at event, looked at things, and one could often find her thinking hard about her latest invention, with her hair tied up in a ribbon to keep it out of her eyes. When her visions were done, she liked to show them to people she knew, who were usually very impressed with her skills. Right now, she looked down at the mossy brook, She thought of a machine that she could build to keep moss from growing on the sidewalk, but she felt too nervous to talk about it. What if none of the teacher's children or administrative staff were interested in her inventions? As if he were reading her thoughts, Klaus put a hand on her shoulder and she smiled at him. Klaus had known for all 12 of his years that his older sister had found a hand on her shoulder comforting, as long as the hand was attached to an arm, of course. Normally, Klaus would have said something comforting as well, but... He was feeling just as shy as his sister. Most of the time, Klaus could only be found doing what he liked to do best, which was reading. Some mornings, one could find him in bed with his glasses on because he had been reading so late that he was too tired to take them off. Klaus looked down at the sidewalk and remembered a book that he had read called Moss Mysteries, but he felt too shy to bring it up. What if Proofrock Preparatory School had nothing good to read? Sunny, the youngest Baudelaire, looked up at her siblings, and Violet smiled and picked her up. This was easy to do, because Sunny was a baby, and only a little bit larger than a loaf of bread. Sunny was also too nervous to say anything, although it was often difficult to understand what she said when she did speak. For instance, if Sunny had not been feeling so shy, she might have opened her mouth, revealing her four sharp teeth, and said, Marmo, which may have meant... I hope that there are plenty of things to bite at school because biting things is one of my favorite things to do. I know why you're all so quiet, Mr. Poe said. I think it's because you're excited and I don't blame you. I always wanted to go to boarding school when I was younger, but I never had the chance. I'm a little jealous of you if you want to know the truth. The Baudelaire's looked at one another. 
The fact that Proof Rock Preparatory School was a boarding was a boarding school was the most was the part that made them feel most nervous. If no one was interested in inventions, or if there was nothing to read, or if biting wasn't allowed, they weren't. They were stuck there not only all day but all night as well. Well, it's better than the mill, huh, Pei? Yeah. The siblings wished that if Mister Poe were really jealous of them, he would attend Proof Rock Preparatory School himself, and then. They could all work at the bank. You're very lucky to be here, Mr. Poe continued. I had to call more than four schools before I found one that I that could take all three of you children in such short notice. Proof Rock Prep, that's what they call it as a short nickname, is a very fine academy. All the teachers have advanced degrees. The dormitory rooms are finely furnished. And most important of all, there is an advanced computer system which will keep Count Olaf away from you. Vice Principal Nero told me that if Count Olaf's complete description, oh, Vice Principal Nero told me that Count Olaf's complete description, everything from his one long eyebrow to the tattoo of an eye on his left ankle, has been programmed into the computer, so you three children should be safe for the next several years. But how can a computer keep out Count Olaf? Viola asked in a puzzling voice, still looking down at the ground. Uh, it's an advanced computer system, Mr. Poe said, as if the word advanced were a proper explanation instead of a word meaning having obtained advancement. Don't worry your little heads about Count Olaf. Vice Principal Nero has promised me that he will keep a close eye on you. After all, a school as advanced as Proof Rock Prep won't allow people to simply run around loose. Move, cake sniffers, the rude, violent, and filthy little girl said as she dashed by them again. Why would she say cake sniffers? I don't get it. Oh, okay, okay. She knows. What does cake sniffers mean? Violet murmured to Klaus, who had an enormous vocabulary from all of his reading. I don't know, Klaus admitted, but it doesn't sound very nice. What a charming word that is, Mr. Poe said. Cake sniffers. I don't know a word. I don't know what it means, but it reminds me of pastries. Oh, well, here we are. They had come to the end of the mossy brick sidewalk and stood in front of the school. The Baudelaire's looked up at their new home and gasped in surprise. Had it not been staring, had they not been staring at the sidewalk the whole way across the lawn, they would have seen that the academy, what the academy looked like. But perhaps it was best to delay looking for as long as possible. A person who designs buildings is called an architect, but in the case of proof rock prep, better term might be depressed architect. The school was made of several buildings, all made of smooth gray stone, and the buildings were grouped together in sort of a sloppy line. To get the building to get to the buildings, the Baudelaires had to walk beneath an immense stone arch casting a curved shadow on the lawn, like a rainbow in which all of the colors were black or gray. On the arch, the words Proofrock Preparatory School in enormous black letters, and then a s- smaller letters, the motto of the school, Memento Mori. But the building was not, but the buildings or the arch made the children, it was not the buildings or the arch that made the children gasp. It was how the buildings were shaped, rectangular with round tops. A rectangle with round tops is a strange shape. And the orphans could only think of one thing that resembled that shape. The Baudelaire's each looked at Baudelaire's each building looked exactly the same, like a gravestone. Rather odd, rather odd architecture, Mister Poe commented. Each building looks like a thumb. 
In any case, you are to report to Vice Principal Nero's office immediately. It is on the ninth floor of the main building. Aren't you coming with us, Mr. Poe? Violet asked. She was 14, and she knew that 14 was old enough to go to somebody's office by herself, but she felt very nervous about walking into such a sinister-looking building without an adult nearby. Mr. Poe coughed into his handkerchief and looked at his wristwatch at the same time. I'm afraid not, he said with his, when his coughing passed. The banking day has already begun, but I've talked to other... I've talked over everything with Vice Principal Nero, and if there's a problem, remember, you can always contact me or any of my associates at Mulctuary Money Management. Now, off you go. Have a wonderful time at Proofrock Prep. I'm sure we will, Violet said, sounding much braver than she felt. Thank you for everything, Mr. Poe. Yes, thank you, Klaus said, shaking the baker's hand. Turfunt, Sunny said, which was her way of saying thank you. You're welcome, all of you, Mr. Poe said. So long. He nodded at all of the three Baudelaire's, and Violet and Sunny watched him walk away down the mossy sidewalk, carefully avoiding running into children. But Klaus did not watch him. Klaus was looking over at the enormous arch over the academy. Maybe I don't know what cake sniffer means, Klaus said, but I don't think I can trans... I think I can translate our new school's motto. It doesn't even look like it's in English, Violet said, peering up. Rancho, Sunny agreed. It's not, Klaus said. It's in Latin. Many mottos are in Latin for some reason. And I don't know very much about Latin, but I do remember reading this phrase in a book in the middle about the Middle Ages. If it means what I think it means, it means we're... It's a certainly strange motto. What do you think it means? Violet asked. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Klaus said, who was rarely mistaken. Memento mori means remember you will die. Remember you will die, Violet repeated quietly as the three siblings stepped closer to one another as if they were very cold. Everybody will die, of course, sooner or later. Circus performers will die, and the clarinet experts will die, and you and I will die, and there will be a person who lives on your block right now who is not looking both ways before he crosses the street and who will die in just a few seconds, all because of a bus. What the What? Okay, that's creepy. Everybody will die, but very few people want to be reminded of that fact. The children certainly did not want to remember that they would die, particularly as they walked beneath an arch over Proofock Prep. The Baudelaire orphans did not need to be reminded of this as they began their first day in the giant graveyard that would now be their home. Okay, first of all, creepy. Second of all, super creepy. Right? No. You know what's going to happen? Yeah. What? What were you going to say? <clears throat> But what were you going to say? I was going to say, do you know why it's like that? Or do you know something I don't know? I know it. I know what it means. I mean, I don't know. I know what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. This is so creepy. Crap. This is still crappy. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Okay.